You're listening to Red Nation Online. Oh, on the beast. He's massive and strong, but he goes down so softly here. There's nothing in it. The arms are a little high, but there's nothing there to drag down Batiste whatsoever. It's an awful call. Saturday, June 25th, it's Aaron Nielsen, I'm Ian Clark, and we're back from the football factory to lament another poor refereeing decision that cost TFC points and a 3-2 loss to Orlando City. We kick it off continuing what has been a big topic of late in MLS and missed or bad calls to compare and contrast the non-foul that Jordan Hamilton and the game-winning penalty courtesy of Julio Baptista. However, the match was much more than just this. It was Irwin versus Bendik, Laren versus Hamilton, and a solid game from Jonathan Osario. We look ahead to the Voyagers Cup Final and Seattle next Saturday. All that and more on the next 55 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Who knows what will stumble I'm not, upon I'm not, us. I'm not classy enough to go on the roof. <laughs> no kidding. This is the Parkdale special podcast. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think what I was thinking of this podcast, Aaron, when we were, we were walking out here was like, there was a point in the game where I thought to myself, what are we going to talk about? And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then as it wrapped up, I thought to myself, I'm going to have to delete more files off this, <laughs> off my uh, disc here to make room for what could end up being... A pretty long podcast because that second half just it completely put the game on its head yeah. and I don't know if it was you know it's kind of this is a time of the year obviously with all these tournaments going on where I think you might be people might be getting a little soccered out yeah or, sure, or sure, you know sure. football that's overload fair. That's fair. and by this time of the night you're kind of like okay Ugh, like I've seen so much and then if the game's not delivering on so, although today right it wasn't exactly Anything to get too super excited about. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, you know, people have been watching tons of football over the last three weeks. And uh, then to kick into an MLS game, it's been kind of like a little bit overdrive. But this game, in a way, like the last last week's game we were talking about where I thought the first half, I sort of was asking myself, what are, what are we going to pull from this? But at the end of the final whistle, you're like, geez, a, there is quite a bit now we can discuss. And if I can open it up, yeah. I think the first thing is, and we didn't, uh, we were in a bar and we didn't hear the, the commentating, but I think the first thing I want to say is you look at Jordan Hamilton in the 18, you look at the Beast in the 18. Oh, you mean the penalty? The penalties yeah, yeah. is what I'm thinking about. Yeah. What, what's the difference? Yeah. And yeah. one team doesn't get a call, one team does get a call. Yeah. And then not only do they get the call, it's the game changing. Yeah. Winning goal call yeah. Yeah. in the literally the last second of the game—it's frustrating. I'm frustrated. That, that's yeah. that's yeah. my emotion well, right again, now. I I'm th- kind of pissed and yeah. I'm pretty frustrated to be honest with you. I, th- I think you know. I think everybody knows, especially when you and I are in the podcast, that we're pretty honest and not necessarily rooting for MLS and showing it for what it is. And I think there was aspects of the game tonight that you could say to yourself, 
you would rather watch Toronto versus Orlando, not even knowing, you know, after the fact, but going into the game, you'd rather watch Toronto or Orlando than, say, Portugal, Romania. But there is issues <laughs> with the MLS. And, you know, I think refereeing was one of them. And tonight it sort of showed its head. The irony is if those same referee decisions happened in the Euro or in the Copa, there'd be no end to it, right? You know, because this is just a, sort of a normal MLS game and arguably there's a very small audience watching it, it's kind of going to go disappear as just another day kind of thing. But, you know, the, the referees, what do they call it, pro-ref? Or pro, whatever, pro, pro is the name you of know, the they, They've sort of put themselves behind the eight ball over the past couple of weeks from some very dubious <laughs> decision-making and then reporting after the fact. Which we will discuss further. Yeah. We'll save that for the okay, outro, but sure, yeah. Sure. But continue, sorry. No, no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that that is certainly something that, um, you know, needs to be looked at, needs to be evaluated further by the MLS. Um, but, you know, on top of that, I thought there was a lot of interesting stories in this game. Even if the game did not turn out as the game turned out, you know, it was interesting because the last time I was on the podcast with you, Hamilton kind of came out of the blue, and we're saying he was underused. And with he just that, showed up out of nowhere, there, almost. Showed up nowhere. And since, you know, he had that great game in that 4-2 win against Vancouver. He's Montreal. Been playing, oh, yeah, Montreal. He's been playing well since. And then today, he scored his first ever MLS goal. So that's, you know, worth the conversation. One of the things that I think both you and I have taken criticism in the past was Toronto's goaltending and our goalkeeping and our issues with Bendick in the net and what the issues are there. Um, and why Irwin is a better option. And then even, not only did we notice that through Bendik's performance, but then Irwin got hurt. And we saw, you know, what we also have, you know, our, the, our plan B, which caused us, a, you know, at least one of the goals again. So, yeah, no, I think the game certainly brought a lot of context to the actual game itself. Yeah, and if, let's just go back to... I want to start the podcast kind of like with the way the game ended, okay. and then we can go into it because I think that's what everyone's going to be talking about. Okay. So let's get it off the start sure. so everyone can hear our thoughts on it because I thought you had a pretty good analysis of those two penalties. Uh, or let's say in quotes, non-call and call. Yeah. Where I was especially frustrated watching Batista back into Moore. Yeah. And Moore, you know, obviously made contact, and he went down. And then you had Hamilton trying to get away from Bendick, who yeah. closes him down. To me, it wasn't much contact. My, my, I think I think what I would say is neither of them are a call. Sure, is, I, is the I, way I, I would think, say. It. I think the I think the scary thing about the decision making is because of the water breaks, because of the injury. There was an incredible amount of injury time. I think it was like eight or nine minutes. Like, the, you know, they were playing in the hundredth minute tonight, which was ridiculous. So if you gave context to it, you know, 98th minute, controversial call, referee's going to go on the home side and not the away side. And, and it's so, you know, part of the reason those ideas exist in our head is because they've happened many times before in soccer, or, you know, uh, Fergie time. Yeah. <laughs> in, in England and Manchester United. But it's just so weak it's it's like why right you yeah. know it's not it's not as if you know that game could have ended in a draw and both teams would have walked home happy it wasn't one team was you know grossly under you know and you could argue you could argue that you know maybe 
the Hamilton penalty was 50-50 and Toronto didn't deserve it, so we're not going to call it. You know, and then again, it shouldn't be, you know, the letter should be the law, but you can compensate that. But at no point, you know, Batista, all he did was back into Moore. If Moore walked out of the way, Batista would have fell on his ass, right? So it's not like Orlando had, you know, a comfortable buildup and Toronto were desperate and they, you know, and fouled to, to create that thing. It was just basically can't call out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and, and arguably, you know, Williams, who was the other defender, you know, got upset and was red carded and, and justifiably so, right? You know, because we saw the game, right? You're playing 100 minutes. You know, it looked like humidity, probably 40 degrees humidity Celsius. You're working your ass off. You got back into the game and then it's basically be taken from you that late. It just shouldn't happen. It's, it's demoralizing, right? It's, it's just unfair. Yeah. And I think, too, when you, again, I, don't, I think people are going to have a hard time not looking at that and, com- and doing the comparison. Yeah. And where, like, you, I, you said that, where it's like he was backing in, and then you have another play which you can describe as an active yeah. play. Where yeah, arguably, arguably from- in the Hamilton case, you don't know if you would have scored the goal there, right? But, you know, which will probably be brought up later in the podcast, Bendik you know, did something stupid, <laughs> which he, you know, shouldn't be, you know, maybe, you know, if you do something stupid, you should be held accountable for that. And again, you know, like it didn't seem to me, you know, highlights afterwards, but in the game, it didn't seem to me that the Hamilton penalty was, oh, that's a dead set penalty. I'm upset. I'm going to get a red card. You know, I'm going to freak out. Yeah. But the end, yeah, it just seemed, what? Like, it just seemed confusing. It just seemed ridiculous. It just seemed, you know, and again, you know, hopefully, you know, we don't know. There's still games going on in the Euro, and there's a game tonight and tomorrow in the Copa. But hopefully, in those soccer, you won't have decisions like that, right? You'll have decisions that are, you know, literal to the game. By the book. By the book, you know, and and, and allow the players to decide the outcome of the game, not just a refereeing decision, right? Yeah. So I think that's a good way to start this. <laughs> I think we put the game uh, in context, but like we said from the start, there was a there's a there's so much to go over. Oh yeah, yeah, no, from no, 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 no. from this match and a lot of positives, maybe a few negatives. Obviously, we know one of them so far in terms mm. of the referees, but uh, you know I'm I'm kind of I'm pretty excited. Like I said, I'm frustrated at the result, but I am excited because there's so much to talk about, and that's always a, a big bonus with Toronto FC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we have so many talking points. And, you know, the first thing is, of course, coming off of last weekend's win and then the midweek win against Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, the players that we had available or ones who weren't available. Uh, you know, if you look at the roster and the matchup against Toronto and Orlando, yeah. the history we've had against this team as, as conference rivals. Yeah. Uh, you know, what we saw last year yeah. where, you know, we thought this, was, this team was a sure three points. This was a team where Toronto, despite making the playoffs last year, you know, didn't look great against anyone who was sort of, if you in quotes, above yeah. 500, yeah. if I'll say that. You know, yeah. a team, I always use the expression, a team that had a pulse, uh, Toronto struggled against. But the teams that were really either expansion teams or bottom of the league, that's when Toronto looked great. So you look at Orlando in this situation and say, okay, they have some pros and cons. You know, they do have some good uh, attacking players. Obviously, we know Kyle Lauren mm-hmm. being here in Canada. We know some of us. No, Kevin Molino. <laughs> Some of us do, and obviously Kaká, right? Like, and sure. then then other names that people follow MLS will be well aware of, of whether it's Breck Shea, yeah. and again Toronto C supporters knowing Joe Bendick. Yeah. Okay, so 
where was I at? Something I was basically framing the the, the in quotes rivalry between Toronto and Orlando and trying to put into perspective the potential. Well, I thought I thought this game natural stories played themselves up, right? This is the first time I believe that we got to judge the Ben Dick Irwin move and and see it firsthand. You know, I've watched Orlando games this season. And the irony is it's Hamilton versus Lawrence and and many things, right? Because if we believe, you know, what we know about grassroots soccer in Toronto, uh, Toronto put more emphasis on Hamilton than they put on Lauren in terms of what they thought was going to be the player. You know, they're basically the same age and what they thought was going to be the player who, you know, was going to lead their line kind of thing, right? Um, You know, I think it's unfair in some sense to Hamilton, right? Because I, I think, you know, certainly, you know, to get right into the game, I think Lauren proved by his first goal you know, how dynamic of a player he is. And, and you know, um, I think both of us at some point of our time have taken criticism for being pro-Lauren or projecting Lauren to be something. And, you know, I don't think you can say that anymore, right? Like he is potentially, you know, he is, you know, he is. The irony is if you are watching Copa, if you are watching um, Euro, Lauren is a guy who can fit right in. You know, the compar- early comparisons with Lauren was always with Lukaku with uh, with Belgium, and you can see Lukaku's um, importance to Belgium and having that dominant center forward and what that does to your team, and that's lacking for most of the teams in the Euro, using the Euro as a context. So how vital that is, you know. There's very few, you know. It's it's interesting. With you know, that's a good question because I think you brought it up uh, during the game. Is what do we expect of a center forward? And I think our ideals, you know, it's like, it's like, what do we expect of a basketball player? And then you see LeBron James or Michael Jordan. And if you're a good basketball player on the street, you look like complete <laughs> shit, right? And so, you know, our expectation of the classic center forward now is 6'3", 190 pounds, who can run, who can yeah. get involved in every play, who can make contact, who can score goals. You know, Baca, who's smaller, but he did the same thing in the Columbia game tonight. So, you know, when you have someone like Hamilton who, you know, is a great finisher, you know, like that's one of the things he continually to prove to I, I was I would say I was uh, I'm sure Canadian national team supporters say, shit, why can't he hit an open net <laughs> for us like he does with Orlando? Oh, you mean Lauren? You yeah, mean Lauren. yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I'm saying Hamilton's, you know, the one certainly the one skill set he has is his finishing ability. But he doesn't, he isn't the guy you're, you're going to be completely afraid of, right? And, and you know, arguably, I think for Hamilton, it's interesting because, as I said, we brought up Hamilton in our last interview podcast we did. And I think for Hamilton, Hamilton should be aware of that, that he's not being marked as strong as other center forwards in the league. And so that should allow him to gain space, to allow him to, you know, and, and the goal. That's kind of what happened, right? Like he was the end of a very nice sort of pass and play and, and stuff like that, but he was in that position. And, and a couple other opportunities, I think a couple ones he was called offside on and stuff like that, but that way he was. He was in that position. You know, it's interesting because, you know, just for context, we were talking about with the lineup going into this game and you guys were talking about Zavaleta and how he came late into the game and that he, sh- he became an asset on the offense because of his size and because he was an ex-striker in college. And, you know, that would be the typical thing to do is to put the big guy up front and hope to make contact with the guy and score goals. I think uh, Babuli and Hamilton offer a lot because of their interaction with Javinko. It's, you know, I, you know, I, first of all, I think Toronto FC has to commit to it. 
And second of all, I think the concern is, is you don't know if it's going to be 100% effective. Where if you have the learn, you know, you don't have to worry, right? You can just say, okay, he's going to score goals automatically. Right? Yeah. And I think I want to, I feel like whenever you and I are on a podcast, I mean, you have, you go on a train of thought yeah. that takes, takes, you know, goes, you go from A to Z. <laughs> and then I'm always like, I want to circle back to that first thing you were saying. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, I do sure. want to say that. You so know, you're, you're we telling me to shut up. I talk too long. <laughs> no. I, no, but you've, you've covered some great ground. But I have to go back and I have to reiterate this point because, you're, you know, we were, we were starting this off by saying the, or the relationship or the comparison or the contrast between Laren and uh, Hamilton. And I still think it's interesting how, you know, we, I read all the forums and you still see people doubting Laren well, and, and sort of saying like, oh, this and that. And I, and I think to myself, I, th I think he's 21 now. 20, like he's 21 and he's scoring as many goals as the DPs that are coming into this yeah. league. And it's a yes, we can, we, can, we can analyze all his skills and his games and this and that, but he's not the finished product. But this is the sort of whole context with Canadian development soccer is, is that these big fast guys dominate because you just throw the ball up to him and, and he does that. And so, you know, there was, a, there was a part of the game where Lauren had a bit of a break and he was on the 18-yard line and he shot and the ball went you know 10 feet over the net those are skills that he's still learning right because he probably was never asked to shoot from 18 yard line in 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 high school or or with sigma yeah, because he just foot. ran he just ran by everybody and scored right looking more deeper into the lauren story you know we we have the story about he wasn't called into you know the youth in retrospect you know like my excuse was i was living in halifax at the time but in retrospect it's a complete oversight by many people and I'm so happy that he's becoming the real deal because you know I haven't had a chance to use this in an article yet but I was finding articles where his school which was a school I never heard of in Brampton were winning the OFSA soccer championship and he was the main guy so it's not like this guy you know all of a sudden was you know just came onto the scene and was a good was a good player and the, and the truth is you know i'm I, i'm i'm ecstatic that he's committed to canada but even canada kind of dicked him around right like when to him to get first called into the national team he kind of had to wait there you know he went he, there was a there was a training exercise in florida where they're bringing some other guys you know some guys who are not accomplished and they, he had to wait and he had to wait for his time and all this kind of stuff and it's interesting but recently, because of the games on Wednesday or Tuesday, um, you know, Davies played with Vancouver, who was a, this bright prospect who's only 15 years old. And Akinla, who is, you know, part American, part Canadian, played with TFC Academy that night. And I hope for Toronto or for Canada's sake that they don't dick around these guys, right? Because we need as much talent with the Canadian national team as we can get. As I said, I'll say this, you know, I've said this before. Toronto, it's, they're getting their knuppments or whatever, right? You know, because Sigma, you know, based on the whole homegrown system and your own talent and fostering your own talent and developing your own talent, you know, the fact Lauren's not Toronto FC property is just shows you what Toronto FC was. And so, you know, you, no excuses, but it's proven to be yeah. <laughs> a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I think I want to, like, tie that into the run of play. Because okay. obviously we kind of touched on Laren's goal. Yeah. Which was a nice working between, I think it was Vin Winter off to Molino. Oh, Molino. And Molino was on his wrong side and slots it across to Laren on the run. He got backdoor behind Moore and Laren puts it top shelf. 
I just want and just to add to because another you know if I was going to give my uh, TFC player of the game tonight, it might have been it probably is Jonathan Osario, and I thought he played very strong today. And I think Osario is an example. Molino and Osario have a relationship in terms of being young players who have been given minutes and opportunities to develop. You know, guys who showed some potential when they first came into it. But, you know, you could have easily said, okay, the guy's not performing. I'm going to bring some Austrian or some, you know, Guatemala, you know, some guy in because he's not giving me enough. And, and it is showing, you know, the commitment to these guys who are in that sort of now age group of, you know, 21, 22, 23. And if you allow them to mature, yeah. they can, they can make, both of them, probably, arguably, both of them were the key players on each team tonight. Yeah, right? and that's, I think Osorio is a guy, I talk about him a lot, but again, like I said, I, you know, you read around articles, you read around comments, you read on forums, and it, I get pretty frustrated when I see people getting down on Osorio. Yeah. Because I ask myself, like, my thing is, like, are you not, like, do you, I'm a Canadian, like, I'm Canadian, I support Canada, and you look at this league and you and you say to yourself and you look at like american players who come along and then hit their prime and they're in their prime and osorio is following that template yeah. that you see of like an mls player Amer mls american who comes through at a certain age and by the time they're 25 26 have over 100 pro games under their belt and then they're just like they are established yeah proper well, and I mls would, caliber I, midfielders I would and he's say, and he's, yeah. and he's on that path so. i would say and i was slightly critical of Azario a couple years ago because statistically he wasn't providing enough on the pitch and so my issue with him and we've had this conversation before was does he lack confidence does he not want to get involved as much as he should be and I do think I think the the making the playoff last year where Azario jumped into the crowd and he was kind of the face of Toronto FC I think that's helped him with him you know maybe the haircut <laughs> but you know he does have a sense of confidence and he did place today that I think he would have been afraid to do a couple years ago. You know, uh, there was a, certainly the back heel <laughs> for the yep. goal. But even even in another play where Javinko just slightly missed the goal, he did a nice cross pass, you know, what you call it. I forget what you call it. But, yeah, you know, a long ball. Of long ball kind, kind of, of thing. And it was done perfectly, right? And so we always say with Cesario that try it. And, and, I, and I, I throw this question to you. Yeah. Does he make those plays with Bradley Johnson? Alzador on the field. It's a good question. It's a good like I, like you, arguably, the game you mentioned. Yeah, there was no Bradley. Yeah, that's true. There was that's no Alzador. That's true. You see, the interesting thing to me is if we say we're adapting to this for you know two four you know diamond or 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 four three three formation, and we have Endo as our nine, who I don't think provides enough to be your nine. I think Azario could be that nine. Yeah, if, I don't, if, I don't if, if, if doesn't really provide anything. Yeah, if, Bradley, if Bradley's committed to that defensive role that he had for the beginning of the season, we need a guy to be, you know, the linchpin, to, to, to be the, you know, and the, and the two guys, you know, maybe they, they're using in, in sort of grouping is, is Babouli. It's also that, you know, Babouli, when I've seen him in League One Ontario, when I saw him with TFC Academy at a younger age, he was the striker, and and so he didn't really. Again, he would have the same issues as Hamilton. He's not the tallest guy. He's not the quickest guy. So as a striker, you're kind of like, eh, you know, he's okay. But I see a lot of guys with a similar skill set. But what Babuli has shown me is that sort of attacking midfield capability, the through balls, things like that. To me, there's a good combination. Both Canadian, both relatively cheap in terms of your 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 uh, cap, and and arguably if we. You know, looked into all the other teams in the MLS. They have guys who are those guys. 
right? You know, New England with Rowe and Fagudas, they can put those guys in who are not the key players on those teams, but add something offensively to your team every week. And, right. and I think that that, with all the criticism I give TFC, and, and the irony is, is that's kind of organic, right? It wasn't expected. You know, I know Azario was always highly regarded, so I think he was always going to be destined to get a lot of minutes, but I think Babuli's on the team primarily because of the salary cap fuck up. So this is something organic, but it's 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 a good positive sign because yeah. I think it is providing a, a positive to, positiveness to the team. Yeah, and I think I think I just want to say, circling back, Aaron. <laughs> I did want I did, I was I was planning to get to the point between Laren's goal and Hamilton's goal, but we've talked a lot about both those guys that I don't think there's really you know obviously Hamilton. We talk, and we talked to play that set it up where yeah. it was Osorio's yeah. back. Well, I think, I think, you know, and not to interrupt, but I think the next topic of du jour is the Irwin versus Bender. Well, okay. It, <laughs> and Bono, I guess. Okay, okay. Because here's my, my next two points is I want not to, not to be critical, but I, against in the Montreal game and the last few times I've seen Nick Hagland. Okay. I was really happy with what I saw and I really liked that I saw him sort of in the center back role. But holy sh, like, you see his strengths and you yeah. see his weaknesses yeah. and tonight yeah. you saw his weaknesses where he's still a guy where it's he can get spun around so easily through pace and when you get he gets caught out and he's just you know the last guy back with everything in front of him yeah he's great yeah but when when he's got to deal with everything around him and when he's getting caught out with you know room behind him and players yeah. and well well uh, arguably arguably right back the too, most so. historically and current the most successful MLS teams are guys who take these sort of fringe MLS players and allow them to play the role that they're good at. You know, a great example this year is Colorado, right? Colorado has Solberg and and um, the other defender, but basically six foot five defenders who you and I could be in a race. Yet they play them in that role where they're very effective and they they have quick you know fullbacks who who help out, so they're not asked to chase down defenders and things like that and you know and this is you know this is part of that uh quick fix trial fc (laughs) conundrum right because you know arguably going into the season i'm not saying they were quality enough but going into the season we had a plethora of center backs we still do you know there's thomas there's cinnamon there's (laughs) yeah there's a lot of them but we bought center backs in right and and you know i'm not saying that more and and those guys are you know uh, not an upgrade but, you know, we lack a right back because we don't have, you know, we, we never budgeted to have a well, we have backup. Yeah, backup. Yeah, no, we have yeah, backup. backup. Yeah, that's what I mean. We never backup. budgeted. And, and you, both you and I have said that, you know, I don't know if Morgan can play on the right, but both you and I said that, you know, we also undervalue or underuse some of our assets in terms of using them with what they're good at. Right. You know, and, and trying to adapt a system that they're going to, you know, excel in, excel in and do well in, right? Yeah. And then, and then, you know, I would say now, I'd say this is a general mistake of the MLS because I think MLS, you know, as you say, it's not a marathon, it's not a race, it's just a you're slog. Catching the wave. Yeah, you're catching the wave in come <laughs> so, September, So, October. arguably, the last guy you want to put a slow right back against is Orlando, who not only have fast wingers, but they have Brexhay and you know the other Molina, the, the Marino, whatever. Yeah. They have fast fullbacks as well, right? So if any team you say, hey, I'm going to put our speed in the lineup, you you, you reserve them for Orlando, right? Right. <laughs> you know that's just you know to me that's just sort of 
you know, common sense there. Right? Yeah, and then of course the other, my other note or highlight from the from the first half was that after that that quick goal was that I think Clint Irwin sort of recomposed himself really yeah, well. Yeah, he did the nice kaka, uh, the nice snapshot where he did a yeah, decent save any, off. I, the thing that I kind of liked about him, which is, which would be interesting because you can compare and contrast him to Bono, was that how effectively he kind of, like when a player comes out wide, yeah. how yeah. well he, he kind of like, it. he gets big yeah. and he closes down the angle. Yeah. And, you know, there's two times where he kind of just just took them out. Yeah. And, and there was nowhere for them to shoot. Well, again, and, and I we talked about this during the, um, what well, we talked about in past podcasts, but we also talked about during this game, is athletical ability and even statistical, like save percentage and stuff like that, there wasn't a huge gap between Irwin and Bendick, right? But one of the things, it's funny because if I don't have statistics and I don't have scouting, then I'm kind of up shit's creek. <laughs> but, you know, when I was evaluating um, Irwin going into the season, I knew of his struggle. You know, I knew he came up and played in the CPSL with Ottawa. Capital you know, City. Ca- Capital City to get games and to all this thing. And and the one thing I love about him, you know, and I certainly know today, is he's always on top. Like, he, he, he acts like he's about to lose his job any second. So he's completely aware of every situation. And, you know, and Bendik, um, certainly the goal that Morrow scored, you know, that was Bendik slow reaction, right? Like, you know, he was in the right position. He should have made the the deflection of the ball that Javinko shot, shot across. And he was so slow and, you know, gave more an empty net. And the defender looked, turned around and looked at Bendik like he was <laughs> like, what the hell? And, and you know, and my criticism of Bendik when Bendik was with Toronto is I never saw him save games for us. Like he, he wasn't, he didn't stand out. He wasn't important. He, he, you know, he was just your average guy, right? And so to me, when I was evaluating his efficiency, I was looking more at this is a guy who was, you know, and we had the Frey example comparison. And here was a guy who was almost making, by that point, was almost making more money than Frey. And it was just a guy, yeah. right? Erwin, in a lot of ways, is just the guy. But I've been in very, you know, I think he's, you know, if we're giving a grading system, I think he's probably, you know, I, I think we're probably first half, halfway through the season, aren't we? Or close to it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we are. Okay. <laughs> Without even thinking about it. I guess we should have done that before I done a little research. Um, uh, I think we're about yeah, there. Yeah, he might be, you know, he might be my player in the first half of the season. Based on our new defensive structure and system, yeah. you know, what's kept us in games is holding games close. You know, not these three twos like we had tonight. Yeah. What kept us in games is the zero zero ties and the one nothing, you know, the George Graham style of yeah. and you <laughs> soccer. Can... And then your goaltender, you know, David Seaman, he was the guy in Arsenal who needed to be there. And yeah. so I think Irwin's pulled And I role. think you can make, you can maybe make a case for like, you know, Toronto's definitely had, especially those first eight games, they had an approach that was very defensively solid. However, those games weren't without opportunities for the opposition. Yeah. And, of course, Bendik has had one clean sheet this year, and Clint Irwin, I think, has had five or six. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and those, weren't, I mean, those weren't games where he had nothing to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. it's not like he, he wasn't um, you know, making key saves or being a key player. And I think in a lot of those clean sheets, you could look to Irwin and say, yeah, he played a, he played a really good game. So for me, it's like, you know, without... Um, you know, revealing probably pretty obvious bias that people who've listened to the podcast <laughs> know from me to sort of say to, to re or to add on to some of the points you made. You know, you just look at Irwin, and I think from maybe a, a psychological or, or a mental side of the game, I like you know I like his story, and I think that factors into the way he approaches 
I, I also think I also think that he would be a keeper for every game. You know, if you're playing your house league and you're completely shit, he would want to play and be in that. <laughs> you know, he doesn't seem a guy who's just up for, you know, the opportunity or just to be with the first team. He seems like a guy who, you know, like he controls his, his net, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter who's coming towards him when he's in that net. It's his net and screw you kind of thing. And I think he would play the exact same way if he was. You yeah. know, I never saw him with... Uh, and, that, City, you know, and that's sure the one thing I, you know, one thing I'd add about Irwin is, I mean, maybe, you know, throw this out to listeners if maybe they've said, I don't see like a glaring weakness in his game, like something that's awful. His distribution's okay. Like people would criticize Bendick and say, well, his distribution's bad, but then it wasn't really bad. It was pretty on par with everyone else. But his, you know, save percentage is really low. And then the one thing I think... My observation was Bennick was I just didn't see, to me I didn't feel like he commanded his area. Yeah. Okay. There'd be games where I'd watch other teams getting a free kick or on a corner, and I'd be watching him, and I didn't see him organizing anyone. Yeah. I didn't yeah. see him shouting out yeah. orders. I didn't see him pointing to players or whatever. Like I didn't see him as a part of. And I feel like I see that a little more with Irwin. And like you yeah. said, when you like he is just he puts himself out there. That I think. We probably haven't seen and since a guy like Fred. he'll also make a great meme if someone takes that picture right after he uh, pogos yeah right after he hurt his hamstring or something. hamstring groin whatever it was yeah that was that a good was one entertaining. <laughs> kicks the ball <laughs> boing someone someone has to someone has to do some good editing and put like a pile of uh, put a lake and him jumping into the lake like that. <laughs> Or someone sort of like a meme of uh, there used to be this one of this girl, this girl this was moshing, she's and dabbing, she, and she <laughs> kicks him in the nuts, and he pogo's away from it. That's the one I'm thinking of. Or 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 Zidane headbutting him, and then he'll <laughs> yeah, that could be one. So, geez, we're so far along, and we haven't even got to the second half. Well, I think we covered a lot of the we covered key, tons, key stories yeah, and yeah. stuff. Again, I think the end of the game was a shit show. Yeah, and here's right? the thing we should yeah. say, though, is there was, a, there was a point in the game, Aaron, where we were talking about who we should, who we should bet on. Oh, yeah. It was 1-1. One, one. <laughs> you know, it was 1-1, one, one, and I kind of was like, you know what, I think I might, I could go with... So that's actually good timing, because okay. he pogos and he goes out of the game, and it's 1-1. One, one. Yeah. And... No, but know, that, and was, think, that was Bono made its mistake for... Yes. So yeah. Bono, Bono comes in, feel so sorry for the guy because I feel like it, the the glimpse, I, I don't think a lot of people followed TFC2 that closely last yeah, year as yeah. much as they say they may have. And a lot of eyes were on Bono. Sure. And he did not look awesome. And I think that's sort of been... Well, the, I, the, the interesting thing is, is probably the criticism you might have of him with TFC2 is the same thing you saw today. Is he's... He loves to be active, and and he I think he got himself into danger first coming out to stop the cross or not to pick up the ball, right? Which you know if someone you know slams a ball into you and you can't hold on to it, you can that's excusable. But the other thing is is when he noticed that that I forgot who the Orlando guy was, but that guy was going to continue with the ball. He kind of almost chased after him instead of at least considering what was going on behind him, right? And, and when he had his own player, I think it was I think it was Hamilton. Was he? I mean, he was Hamilton was closing down that play. Yeah, yeah. Like he was he was player for player with that guy. Yeah. So he had to make. So let's say decision making is probably could be the weakness for Bono because he had a decision to say, do I keep going for this or do I real do I back off? 
Yeah, you know, arguably, it's interesting because you don't usually get in this conversation with keepers, but we are tonight. <laughs> yeah. About, um, and you know, I don't know if we said in the pod, but you, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking, you know, is there overconfidence? Is there arrogance amongst keepers, right? You know, like, I am the super keeper. I need to go beyond my ability to prove that I'm the best keeper in the world, which, you know, Bono kind of has that tendency to do it. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, I, I don't know, we didn't mention the pod, but you mentioned when we were having, watching the game, how Bendik was part of the U.S. system and there was a sort of expectation that he was going to be a first team MLS keeper. And we mentioned Irwin's, the struggle he had to do to get where he was. And th- there might be a lesson of humility with keepers, right? Maybe that's why it takes keepers, you know, so many years, a lot of them to establish themselves as top keepers because you realize, you know, you don't have as much control of the game as you probably think you do, right? Right, yeah. And it's, uh, so if you look at, that was the point where it looked like, uh, Aaron, you were going to be out a whole 20 bucks. <laughs> hey, I was up to, it was going to be 120 if yeah, I came yeah. back. However, there, you know, yeah. there, was t- there was two plays after that. Obviously, the first one was uh, Shea Root putting a beautiful ball yeah, yeah. into space for Jovinko to slot onto. And I think the one thing we didn't, we did. We didn't talk about in the first half, but I think, you know, this. I think this is what this play to me sums up because it was very unusual for Jovinko to win that ball, kind of be one v one the keeper, and really just kind of fudge it, right? Like he, yeah. he let it to. And the first half, I was sort of saying to myself, a, you know, we weren't seeing Jovinko get a lot of touches, yeah, and there wasn't a lot of, um, just didn't seem very active, and I was thinking. You know, here we are in Toronto and having a scorcher of a weekend, but I was sort of thinking, you know, Florida at this time of the year has got to oh, okay. be so fucking think, stinky. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I'm thinking these guys might feel like they're they're running through mud a little bit. Sure, sure. And I wonder if you know, as much as Jovinko played in Italy, you know, unless he's playing, I'm thinking like Laverno or Bari, which yeah. I don't know if he ever did. You're playing those teams in the southern boot or in Sicily. I don't know how often he would have. You know, he's up in Juventus, which yeah, I think yeah. is like a yeah, a yeah. nice moderate, uh, sure, sure. you know, in turn. Uh, I wonder if that was what that this game was starting affected these guys down the stretch in terms of the heat and humidity and whatnot. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and arguably, you know, in many sense, he was on his own. So you know, there's a lot of expectation on him. I know there was a couple of misplays in the first half, but it seemed that his part, his teams weren't there. You know, his teammates weren't there. They weren't doing the runs and stuff like that. So he was stuck with the ball. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because when it's, it's you know, and I, I actually said this in my sort of preseason sort of uh, prediction for Toronto this year was I think it was impossible to assume that Javinka would be as effective as he was last year in terms of the amount of goals and the amount of assists. And, you know, because last year was ridiculous, right? And, and partly was ridiculous because of what he was capable of doing and partly was ridiculous because it took MLS teams that long to realize he was that yeah. good and dynamic and could beat you one on one. And so I do think, you know, I certainly the one place that I've seen this and I mentioned it to you is on free kicks. I, uh, you know, he's far less effective on free kicks this year, and I don't know if teams are scouting that per- precisely and saying, hey, he can only kick the ball this height, this far, just move up a bit, and he might get in the way or something like that. And you know, it's it's you know the the interesting thing about Javinko is. A lot of his greatness is based on the plays that he's effective as. It was almost impossible for everybody else, right? So, 
shooting from 18 yards and just getting the ball into, you know, that corner of the net or taking a free kick, you know, the best soccer players in the world can't do it. Nobody, you know, like on the street, nobody can do it. So I think the expectation is, you know, it's, you saw it today too with uh, uh, Ronaldo in, in the Euros, right? People are like, you know, they don't watch soccer. They know who Cristiano Ronaldo is and they expect him to score six goals, <laughs> you know, because he's great and he is great. But, you know, analytical and all this kind of stuff, you know, with, with expected goals and stuff like that. A lot of the shots that Jovinko takes, the chances of those going in are, are very slim. And it's to his credit that he's able to score with those chances. But it's to his deficit and to Toronto's deficit that those shouldn't be our opportunities, right? We should look for more clear chances and not expect a guy to shoot from 20 yards and, and give us the game-winning goal. Yeah. However... He did give us the game tying goal. Yeah. He didn't score it, but he yeah. set it up. Yeah. And I just want to like tie that in is that you know there might be discussion. We said that last week, where you know people might look at that game last week and be like, "Oh, he didn't have a very good game." Yeah. But if you look closer, he did a lot of things. I think that helped the overall. You know, he's it was the boxing analogy. He was doing the body blows, like he was giving the body shots that wear the guy down. Yeah. 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 That lets you, uh, no, I think lets you to put him down in the fifteenth round. Yeah. I think I think that's a part of what he. I mean, he is a. I think he's a real psychological problem for a lot of teams. Yeah. And just to, to connect one thing is that in terms of whether teams are thinking about him, it's like I <laughs> the LA game in this game. I sort of saw you know Van Dam and I can't remember who it was on Orlando where it's like just kick him in the gut about thirty yards <laughs> out. You know, we'll just drop him. We'll just drop him to the ground and get that foul from distance, and yeah. we're fine. Yeah. Just don't let him. The longer you let him dribble yeah. the more fucked you are so yeah. if you're close to him just foul him yeah. just and, foul and, and him. then again the you know not to create worry or or, or fear i think jovinko knows what he's in for now and so you know i don't know if he's still motivated you know that's where doubt can become created right like it's like hey man i'm gonna have to run 15 kilometers every game just to be effective where i can go to team abc in europe and you know, and be on the end of a great build-up play kind yeah. of thing, right? And so, you know, this is the always the issue with MLS and the DPS and all this kind of stuff is soccer is not played by the skill of one single player, right? It's played on the quality of the team, right? So. Yes. And if we follow, if we keep this, uh, uh, keep the chronology of this match going, you know, obviously touched on that it was it was Jovinko, you know, despite not scoring that chance, that was from Sheru. Mm-hmm. You know, Osorio puts that ball, as we mentioned, on the Jovinko. Uh, you know, Bendik not in a great position. Morrow comes in back post, slots it in. And then as the game winds down, you know, we get the extra time and the penalty that we've already discussed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we've sort of lamented about the penalty call in the game, I think the first, you know, outro of this match is what's been a fairly hot topic through the week. I mean, the first, the, the big sort of story or the thing that I saw this week was that article written by Pro, which I yeah, guess well, well, the, the director. The context, guy. I give context, last week I believe it is, is, is that, um, I believe it was Dallas and Kansas City. Yep, and in Kansas City. In Kansas City, and the Dallas scored, well, um, it was a weird play. I think it was a back pass or something like that, but the ball clearly <laughs> went into the net um, but no one was there to see it, so they didn't. And they don't have goal line technology in the MLS, so the goal wasn't given. And then Dallas went on, or was it Kansas City went on to win the game? Yes. Um, and so, and so, 
So what happened is based on that, people made tweets and people wrote articles and people were like, what the hell and stuff like this. And uh, the referee committee tried to justify themselves with a very weirded <laughs> an article that didn't have a byline, yeah. but used referenced I. Like yeah. it was in the first person. <laughs> it was so strange. Yeah. I, and I think it was the guy who's like the director, like I, I can't remember his name, yeah. who who wrote it. But there was no byline, so it was a very bizarre thing. And, and his it, his excuses were pretty bad because his excuses were like, like it was literally like buddies talking in in on a streetcar or something like that. Like it wasn't even written in, in proper you know written form. It was like, oh yeah, you couldn't see you know. But but even then, he was like. He had ran all games, so he was very tired, and he couldn't run. <laughs> like, yeah, it, so like you can't was... expect a guy, da, 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 and I'd rather, that, you know, we'd rather them not make a call unless it's 100%. So this now we know for sure that everyone was wrong about criticizing this. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, and then he, and then he put the blame on the people who, who criticized, criticized it. it, opposed to the, yeah, and he said that there's no way, in, and there's no way 100% that these guys can't take the blame for this situation right and, and it's, 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 i don't know i mean i can i can sort of understand i can understand that in one side but in another i still feel like you know you had a linesman on the on the opposite side of the field when i saw the replay and i watched the, like i went through it multiple times the main referee to me i was like i watched him tracking back and he i mean he would have been far yeah. however he could like when the play came back out, he was about 30, he's about 30 yards out yeah. from when the keeper swept in and pulled it up and then kicked it forward. So, anyways, to get yeah, to, no, get to no, the point like, of it, like, I, I was, I'd be, if, I you're, if, you're not going to have, if you're not going to have goal line technology, I'm fine. It's our buddy Quizen, Kermit Quisenberry, but no, I'm yeah. fine. I'm fine. What's uh, Quisenberry? No. Oh. <laughs> it's just that. Okay. It's a... Uh, Gaffron Hooligan sure. flashback. Um, no, I'm fine with the referee stopping the game, standing together saying, hey, man, what did you see there? I didn't see anything. He didn't see anything. Bringing the two captains for each team saying, hey, we don't know if the ball went to the net. And, you know, saying that that was the thing. And then afterwards, the the official saying, you know, this is a problem or this could be a problem, but, you know, it's difficult and we're working on looking at things to, to fix this. The thing that, you know, that context, the thing that you know irked me was is he basically said that Twitter people on Twitter and article writers are at fault for yeah. criticizing the referees. And now, they're wrong. And they're wrong. And and the irony with that is is if an own goal or if a play like that happens in like the fourth division of England, it's talked about the whole season, right? Like yeah. it's that's this fact, right? You know, if you see a mistake that you know, if, if a guy has Germany and England. Yeah, if a guy if a guy has an empty net in front of him and kicks the ball over the net, that's shown a million times. It doesn't necessarily say that that striker is a horrible striker. It's a play that everybody knows someone majorly fucked up on, right? Yeah. And so to kind of act like, you know, we know better, we know more, we know, you know, this kind of thing. And I imagine the context of the refereeing decision here will be held in the same capacity, right? You know, I think they'll look at the minute letter of the law and say that Moore had his hand or on on um, Baptista's shoulder, and because of that, it's a red card without even giving context to the game and what's going on in the game or previous plays in the game. I think they'll, they'll that's how they'll escape it, right? Yeah. And it's it's and it's right? yeah. And, and then it's, I have to add the one the one other to kind of make a, a triumvirate was that 
Yeah, we were watching Vancouver and Philadelphia before this game started. Yeah, oh yeah, the handball. <laughs> pretty clear. Yeah. Like pretty clear. Yeah. Like there's and there's no my only my only two tweets today. <laughs> you know, you have to ask yourself and I and I and I said, you know, watching players like no the linesman was on the side that should have seen that. Yeah. He, the linesman should have been right there, as well as the referee should have been in position because the play was right should have been yeah. right in front of him. Yeah. So it's just Well, and then the other thing is is you know, just in just in comparison context. Maybe you and I are arrogant about the game. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, but we certainly give opinions on the game. We give analysis of the game. But I'm 100% sure if, some, if I gave a wrong analysis and someone came to me and said, your analysis was incorrect, this is what you should have thought, this is how the game, you know, something like that, I'm going to take that as criticism. I'm going to take that as, oh, okay, I'll look at it this way. I'll, I'll think of that, and the next time I write about that particular topic, you know, I will take it as... As a learning experience, right? Sure. I will not say, oh, you don't know the game, so <laughs> fuck yeah. you, right? Like, I don't think I've ever, you know, I might have had the right to do that in some cases, but I don't think I've ever done that, right? And so it's just, to me, that's that's the, you know, and it's funny, too, because, uh, you know, we were watching the Columbia-USA game, but Klinsman was taking criticism, and he came out with the basic, the same statement, is, is you don't know the game, so who do you... To criticize, yeah, <laughs> right. And it's just, it's you know, it's you're saying that the guy from the pro referees, British, and so you know, there. I think there is. I think there's still just arrogance, high high level arrogance within soccer in North America that they think they know better, and that you know. And I would also say an insecurity. Yeah, oh like, yeah, no, yeah. You hear an accent, and yeah. we and we think, oh, they must know more. And I gotta be honest, and I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm out of turn. You know, you, you definitely have, let's just say this. I've spoke, you've spoken with soccer and football with people of all nationalities and no matter which ones are traditional soccer countries, I've heard them talking be like, you're, t- you, that is just bullshit. Yeah. Like you, yeah. That is the dumb, like you're not making any sense. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. The, I think the one out, the outro, cause I think we should wind this down and we're getting down there is the one sight and sight and sound. This is, I think the first time. One of the first times, oh, I can think of a few other times where we've been to Football Factory for a TFC game, a TFC oh, bar. <laughs> we were the only ones, the yeah. only ones there watching TFC. All, All Colombians. And we were the only, we were the only screen. Usually when TFC scores a goal, there's sort of like a smattering of oh, like, yeah, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Charles scores. And I go, yeah. <laughs> well, as Crickets. I said, I said if, if you're looking for, if, if you're looking for uh, uh, tweets and response, we should we should do uh, one of those things like like retweet if you watch the game like if you <laughs> yeah you know like we need uh, we need a roll call man because there's probably only a handful of us in the uh, that we're still watching and you know the truth is uh, Sean came around the guy who works there yeah, yeah, and yeah, he was yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of figured as such you know when you're going through these tournaments that by the time you get to the seven o'clock to ten o'clock MLS game. I, I it's, it gets pretty it gets pretty sparse. So that's and that's what I expected actually going out tonight. I was like, I don't think there's gonna be a lot of people filling up there watching, looking for a TFC road game. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, right no, now, I wasn't. So. No, again, well, I was. You know, it, it's funny because uh, last year during the playoff game with Montreal, uh, Kamal and I went to a mission trying to find a bar that would play the game with sound, and we end up going to a bar that wouldn't play the game with the sound, but we end up going to like nine bars. Until we, you know, at least they show the game at this bar. Yeah. And it does give some context of where, um, you know, TFC is in terms of uh, the national sports scene and stuff like that. But, you know, at the same time, thank God we're not doing a Blue Jay podcast because we would have to do 162 of these. Uh, right? Like, I think. I know a guy I, who does one. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I think it's called. <laughs> kind of, I got it to be honest. 
a little jealous. This, this is a great guy's name. Uh, okay. He used to okay. be at the score, cool. Drew Fairservice. Cool. I think it's called Jay's All Day or something like that. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, his podcast is massive. Oh, really? I think he just started it last year. Oh, okay. It's like okay. a big deal. Because, you know, like, it is a season, right? Like, you don't have, I don't think, you know, commitment isn't, I've seen every single minute of PFC play well, <laughs> for They're the best. last 10 years, right? Um, so, you know, I'll excuse to some extent, you yeah. know, it's like this is the time of year where you would sort of expect this, but it was strange, you know, it's, it's funny because we've had, um, and it's, it shows you the, the, the interesting and great environment football factory is because we've had scenarios where football factory is designed to be Toronto and Canada's soccer central place and we're the outsiders we're the we're we're, we should be on the black hole (laughs) yeah yeah i think it was i think it was the last copas that toronto fc well we went to the mexican toronto game and it was all mexican or mexican canada game yeah we were the only canadians there (laughs) and i remember the last copas i think toronto was playing i think they may have been i can't remember if it was was a champions league game it was kind of a weird game or maybe it was just a late game it was Mm. like a 10 30 game and uh, obviously the Copas was in South America, and all these guys came in, and we were, we had the big screen. Oh, okay. we had the big screen over there, and they were like, "What are we watching? Like, why are we watching this?" And I go, "We're in Toronto." Yeah. And our Toronto's playing. What the fuck? What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, yeah, I was, we were good. so bad, we were baffled by it. It's like, well, and, and to be honest, because you know, when we're at Football Factory, we're kind of in our little cozy yeah we're, we got a booth <laughs> our booth um and then we left the game and there was a lot of colombians there and there was a lot you know like the whole credit, credit to F- football factory they could make good money tonight showing colombia usa even yeah. though it's a third place game yeah. and no one cares but i <laughs> no should say, care yeah but. i should say at the end of the day i'm not really complaining because if there was no copa game there'd be two of us and and we've joked about it before there have been games where it's been champions league games where it's like, you know, we're playing one of those Central American teams at 10.30 on a Wednesday, and we're doing a podcast. We're closing the bar. We're doing a podcast in the bar, and they're kind of like, um... I went to. You guys... I went to. One of of the first uh, road podcasts I went to, we watched the New York... uh, The game where Toronto got killed in New York. I think it was the old end of Mariners campaign, and yeah, we're the only ones in there, and they were like, if you guys leave, we can close. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, just do the podcast. I hope you don't mind. It's 1 a.m. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, anyways. There you go. I think we'll leave it at that. Uh, the only thing, I guess, as an outro, I'd, without going to this, obviously this week will determine who lifts the Voyager's Cup. Oh, okay. Toronto-Vancouver. Vancouver's on a two-year winning streak. And Toronto's do you have? At- do you have any hope? It's funny, because the, la- the, last, the last podcast I was on, my question was, do you care about the... Uh- I changed my now, mind. Now we care. I do. <laughs> now we I care. I changed my mind. I thought about and it a bit. One I do. Nothing, one nothing advantage. It's, it's always like that's the most dangerous score to be up when you go away, away. because you're trying to. You have to ask yourself: Are you going to try to hold on to that one nothing, or are you going to just on. play it like it's a normal game? Yeah. But you know, Vancouver. Well, they. I think I don't know if they won today. They were doing well against Philadelphia, but they're. You know, they're having injury issues and player issues themselves. So, and you know, would eh, Wednesday? Yep. So Bradley's not going to come back for that, eh? We're going to have. A and there was the rumor that he was injured. Oh, is in the it? U.S. game. Remember, oh, okay. he, he came out of that game early. So we're not going to have a Giovinco moment, and Bradley's going to come in the 80th minute, and 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 what, what, what does a defensive midfielder do? 
heads it out of bounds. <laughs> heads it out of bounds. Slide tackles when it was slide shot on goal. It comes in the 80th minute to make a slide tackle. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, no, you know what? Uh, funny enough, is like I kind of changed Irwin. my tune. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh. Although, although they have that Canadian rule, so maybe put Roberts in that, and then you can put another American up uh, front. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Because they have to play six Canadians, don't they? Or Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've kind of, like, changed my tune a bit. I think I... It's been, I think it was 2012. And have you, I know you were debating, I, I'm putting you on the spot here because I don't know if you looked it up. Do we go to the uh, thing this year or is that next, next year? Next, next year. year. Okay. So oh, yeah. Because that was the last yeah. thing was that uh, Tobias Vaughn uh, hit me up on, hit us up on Twitter, just kind of being like, hey, this is, it changed like this. So you're, I think the idea is that you're playing the year ahead so that. Well, they wanted, well, anyways, they, they wanted to stretch it, it out. So, yeah. so they, yes, they, because they stretched out the U.S. one. So yeah, they so that to make that, it, that makes more all sense. All the teams so that, are playing at the same time, and right. it's not just a huge gap between games and stuff like that. Yep. So yeah. Do you have year. a Euro prediction? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if we're back by then. No. Germany. <laughs> yeah, there. Easy peasy. Germany. Probably Italy. There. I gotta wake up at nine o'clock and drink a lot of beer tomorrow. So. Yeah. Yeah, for the Irish. Okay, so Henry let's, Revenge, man. Henry Revenge. That's what they're saying. Let's leave it at that, Aaron. We're at an hour. Yeah. Um, obviously, people can get you at EMB Sports, yeah. Prospect 11, sure. all that stuff. Uh, and people can get me at Clark RNO info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Don't, I think it's going to be tricky midweek. Obviously, we've been pretty on point with every league game come the weekend. You should promise if you win, you should do something. If you lose, you'll just hide and be quiet. <laughs> Thanks for putting me on the spot, Aaron. Uh, I'll keep it with. I'll still say next weekend, Seattle. Oh, that'll be a big ooh, one. That's interesting. So yeah, it's uh, history. History there. Jordan Morris. Yeah, ooh. and there's history there. Like a, the and that Dempsey, one, se- and that Dempsey's one season back. opener. Dempsey's back after his Copa yeah, experience. True. So it should be interesting. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from The Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, and our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Like you and me. Understand him. He'll understand you.